Marcus Stroman is available should the Royals go after him. What is considered to be an offseason success? And has Matt Quattrero shown that he's the guy in Kansas City? That's all coming up next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And catch all of these podcasts and wherever you get your podcast on those platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe because we're also on YouTube. If you ever want to get the video version of this, uh, just check us out on the Lockdown Royals channel. Um, you can always, of course, catch me and send me questions, direct messages on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. As I said, if you're a first time listener, um, well, of course, welcome in. I'm sure that you're a diehard Royals fan getting some offseason content. Well, I'm just like you because I'm a diehard Royals fan as well. I do have a background in the sports broadcasting world. I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a night show once a week. On 810 WHB, I've also got a morning show on ESPN Kansas City Monday through Friday. So if you ever want to get my content on things that maybe don't always pertain to the Kansas City Royals, you can check me out on all their social media websites. But when you come here, when you click on this podcast, just know that you're going to get all Royals talk for the next 30 minutes. And it doesn't matter if it's in the offseason, if it's the middle of the season, it's the postseason. We're going to try to give you the best possible content out there and it's very important that going into 2024, as we inch closer and closer, and I know it's still a ways off, but closer and closer to spring training, be sure uh, to keep in mind that we want to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube by then. Still a ways off, trying to get to 600 right now, but we got a couple months to do so. So if you've already subscribed, send it to somebody who has not subscribed to the Locked on Royals podcast. I have been getting some questions, and this is what I always like to do. When I do these podcasts, I like to get feedback. I like to get questions. I like to get ideas from the listener because it's one thing for me to create my own segment every single time what I want to talk about and regurgitate that to you over a 30-minute segment. Or I can get the feedback from you on Twitter. Still going to try to get uh, things up and rolling on Instagram, on TikTok, get more of a a wide-ranging base there for everybody because not everybody has Twitter. And if you want an easier way to reach us, to subscribe to us, that feels like the best way to do it. But I know a lot of people have been asking questions about the offseason, who makes sense, what guys are going to be in the price range. And, you know, one name that became available not too long ago, and I do think it is something that the Royals won't scoff at. Uh, And what I mean scoff at is just let's not even entertain. I think there is maybe a slight chance it could be entertained, but it's more so of the idea of a pitcher like this. And who I'm meaning is Marcus Stroman. So Marcus Stroman is not going to be pitching in Chicago this upcoming year, likely. I think that he is going to try to get a bigger contract elsewhere. Anytime you turn down the qualifying offer, uh, you are trying to look elsewhere to get a bigger deal. And, And maybe to Marcus Stroman, it doesn't really matter where he plays. 
He just wants to make sure he's got a big time contract. Now, I know a lot of people already are going, no, I don't want to overpay for a pitcher that's over 30 years old. Don't want to go after Marcus Stroman, who had a terrible, awful, dismal second half, which is very true. But he was also an all-star. Uh, he had an incredible first half. He was the Chicago Cubs ace and a Chicago Cubs team that was very much in the wild card race all the way up until the end of the season. And Marcus Stroman's also pitched on the big time stage before. Remember the Royals saw him back in 2015 when he was a part of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's been a, a part of the WBC. He was a, a great top end starter for Team USA back in 2017. I mean, he's got uh, a very decorated past. And I don't think that whoever overpays for him or who gives him the long-term deal is really going to regret it. Because here's the reality. You have to overpay for pitching. Um, and you're not going to get a beautiful deal every single time. You know, you may have a guy that's 30, 31 years old, and you're shelling out a five- to six-year deal. Well, that's not going to look good on the surface because, of course, fans are going to immediately go, well, what version of this pitcher are we going to get when he's 34, 35, and 36 years old? That's a problem down the road. The reality in free agency now is you have to overpay. You have to give more years to guys like a Marcus Stroman. You're going to have to give a four, five, six-year deal. I mean, that's why with Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez, who hit the market a couple years back, and he signed with Detroit. I mean, Detroit wasn't in any realm of contention just yet, and they had to overpay a little bit. Now, they got a very serviceable amount of time from Eduardo Rodriguez, and I thought he was great last year. I think nobody could deny his greatness last year. Now, in the end, I don't think they really got what they wanted out of him because they couldn't trade him. Now, he didn't want to be traded, and then he opted out, so now he's a free agent. But still, those are the type of moves that I think when the Royals want to jump in the free agent pool, when they want to be more aggressive, that's what they're going to have to do. So for the fan that's saying, no, it's too much money, don't want to overpay, the reality is you're going to have to overpay. And if you want the Royals to be aggressive and go after starting pitching and guys that have shown their number ones and number twos, they're going to be guys like this, where Marcus Stroman you know, finished the last half of the year at a downward trend. He's shown that he has injury concerns. I mean, these things you have to factor in. Jack Flaherty's another name. You know, I think in a perfect world, you'd want Jack Flaherty on a one-year $10 million deal. No harm, no foul. You know, if he busts, if he's not very good, okay, move on from it. It's a one-year deal. I mean, you have a little bit more commitment with Marcus Stroman. But this podcast segment is not to just say that Marcus Stroman is the end-all, be-all, that Marcus Stroman is the fix. I mean, if the Royals found a way to be aggressive and go after him and they ended up signing him, I'm not going to complain about it because I know they're trying to add to this rotation and give themselves a chance to build a pretty damn good rotation. And I think Marcus Stroman would significantly improve this rotation, whether you want to criticize his age, his second half last year. It doesn't matter if it's Marcus Stroman or if it's Jordan Montgomery or it's Aaron Nola. If the Royals actually want to be in contention for these guys, they're going to have to overpay. That's just the way baseball is. Okay, If you want to compete with the New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Phillies, you have to show more commitment to them. They may be more inclined to take a deal from Philly or the Mets or the Padres or the Dodgers on a two- or three-year deal instead of the Royals. They may not want to go pitch on, on a smaller contract. They may want to get the Royals into a five- or six-year deal and 
a lot of money, 20 million, 21, 22 a year. And that's where I think JJ Bacola is going to have to figure out, okay, is this a year where you make a move like that? Eventually they're going to have to, that's kind of where I'm at. Eventually there's going to be an off season where the Royals are going to have to make a signing like that. They're going to have to go get their workhorse and it's going to be a contract like that. I mean, I think a perfect example, not really pitching wise, but what the Rangers did with Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager to outbid the rest of those teams, they had to give the amount of years and they weren't worried about what their age 38, 39 and age 40 season were going to look like. They're trying to capitalize on a window. They're trying to capitalize in the first three years of that contract when they can assemble a really good unit. And to me, that's how the Royals can approach this free agency. Don't worry if you have to give a five-year deal to a 31-year-old. You know, if you really believe that you can contend and you can build a good rotation in the next three years, well, then you don't have to worry about it. He's your workhorse. He's your number one for the next couple of years. It's not always that simple. Guys get injured. Guys underperform. But this is what I'm getting at here. If you want the Royals to be aggressive, if you are one of the fans that gets mad when J.J. Piccolo and John Sherman, they don't put money into this team, this is the world of baseball now. Pitching is always going to be an overpay. And maybe it's not Marcus Stroman. Maybe it is. I have no sources whatsoever that tell me they're even interested. But this just kind of feels how the market's going to fall a little bit. These guys are going to be heavily coveted. And there's going to be big dogs. There's going to be the alphas that spend a lot of money to get guys like Marcus Stroman. The point of this is to show if the Royals are going to go after those guys, they're going to have to commit, I think, even a little bit more than the big spenders out there. And maybe at the end of the day, they're not in the position to do that. Maybe they do want to piece together their rotation with a bunch of fours and fives and build around Cole Reagans and Brady Singer. Certainly an outlet to go with. I think it's unlikely that the Royals make a play on Marcus Stroman because I'm sure they are concerned about those second half numbers, injury concerns, wrong side of 30, and they're not willing to give out a five or six year deal. Somebody is go. Somebody is going to be willing to give Marcus Stroman a four or five year deal. It's just the way baseball works. And if the Royals want to put their name in the hat, if they want to box with the others, those are the type of deals they're going to have to start doing. And here's the thing. They can afford that. They actually can. It comes down to ownership here. If you really want to put money into the team, they can afford it. You know, the, the Tigers were able to afford Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez in the same offseason. And those were big-time contracts. But the Tigers felt like the only way we can get these guys is we commit a little bit long-term. The Royals are going to have to do that. It may not be Stroman. It may not be somebody else. Hell, they may not do it at all. But that's just kind of where I'm at. This is the reality of Major League Baseball and free agency and where the Royals are at. All right, the next thing we're going to dive into is what is going to make a successful offseason? Does it mean signing a big-name pitcher like Marcus Stroman? Does it mean just assembling the right team on cheap deals? Or does it mean trading a little bit more, being more aggressive, more transactional, for these next couple of months. I'll tell you next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to today's title sponsor in FanDuel. I mean, it's crossover season now. Baseball season may be over, but we got college hoops. We got college football, NFL, NBA, you know, women's college basketball. It's... The sports are endless right now. So what do you need to do? Well, let's make some sports bets. Let's get into the sports betting world. And if you're going to do that, you need to join FanDuel today. So score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any five any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that includes spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kicked off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You know, there's going to be a lot of different, I would say, ideas of this Royals offseason. And, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to think of the words at the top of my head about how I would describe the message going into the offseason. Because there's going to be people that believe one thing. There's going to be people that believe another thing. There's going to be people that kind of come to a common ground on what is going to be desired from this team. Because I think what everybody can agree on is you don't want to go through another season like 2023. You don't want to be out of it by April. You don't want to see this team with you know 40 wins in the second half. You want to see this team competing from the time they get off the grass, out of the outfield grass and surprise Arizona and make the trek back to Kansas City for opening day against the Minnesota Twins. You want to see that competitiveness start there and end all the way at the tail end of September. That's what you're going to hope for in 2024. So that's where I think the common ground is right now. Nobody wants to go through another evaluation year. That seems like a, a lost cause at this point. You're going to lose a lot of support from the fan base if you sit on your hands again and run out the exact same group, which I don't expect them to do. I think this Royals team is going to be looking in different areas to improve their team. I don't think they're going to be looking at the big stars, the big free agents, because they also had a little bit of success last year and looking where nobody else was. They got James McArthur from the Phillies. They got Cole Reagans from the Rangers. They got Nelson Velasquez from the Cubs. They found pieces like that that significantly helped their team. At the same time, those aren't always going to work out. You know, in the year where you lose 106 games, of course those moves are going to look good because the guys you've been running out there haven't been that successful. And when they haven't been that successful, it's easy to shine. Now, I'm not trying to take away what Cole Reagans, Velasquez, and MacArthur did because, you know, baseball-wise, just simple numbers, simple stats, analytical data, or eye test, they passed it all. They were above average major league players, but they were also playing in low leverage spots. They were playing in low leverage moments. So the message should be, how do we get them in the high leverage moments? When you're pitching in June and July and these games matter, they're not just to make you feel good leaving the bar one night, watching the Royals. Oh, you had a couple beers. You're watching win a game. Oh, that feels good. But I also know this team's 30 games under 500. You want to get past that point. You want to be engaged. You want to know when the game times are, and stick with it for all nine innings. It doesn't always happen in baseball, but for this team next year, that should be the goal, to keep everybody engaged the entire year. Not just, oh, I didn't even know the Royals were playing. I don't even know half the guys in this lineup. You don't want that again. And so to get to that point, to get to J.J. Picole's 80-85 to win threshold, which has kind of been our theme on the show, continuously going back to it, how do you get to 80 to 85 wins? Well, I think you need to take more of a cutthroat approach. You had an evaluation year for 162 games. That's enough to know who a player is and who a player is not. Okay, to me, 
I feel like you have an infield that's pretty much set. You're going to have Michael Garcia at third, Bobby Wood Jr. at short, Michael Massey at second, Vinny Pasquantino back at first base. I'm assuming, unless you move on from Salvador Perez, he's going to be behind the plate. But the outfield, it, it's got to be a little bit more cutthroat to me. If you really think this team can get 24, 25, up to 30 games better, you really have to make a lot of changes. And I know a lot of it's on the pitching side of things. To me, a successful offseason is adding, just to put a numbers of, uh, part of this on it, I would probably say to add two guys to the rotation and not just a bargain shopping, you no know, bottom of the barrel, minor league deal guys. No, I'd like to see some investment. I'd like to see a two-year deal, a three-year deal for two pitchers out there to pair alongside Cole Reagans and Brady Singer. And that fifth spot can be competition in spring training. But I want at least four spots set uh, going into surprise coming up in a couple of months. As for the bullpen, I'm taking James MacArthur. I'm taking John McMillan. I'm taking, oh, let's go Carlos Hernandez. And let's go Colin Snyder because I'm I'm hopeful from what his offseason plan has been with Tread Athletics that he's going to look a little bit better. Then I want three or four new guys to the bullpen. And again, not a bargain bin shopping here. I'd like to see an effort after a Phil Maton, a Ryan Stanek. You know, going after guys that you know can be decent relievers in that bullpen. Matt Moore is another name that comes to mind. All affordable. Robert Stevenson. You know, adding three or four guys to the bullpen, so that's what? Five arms to your team, to your rotation, to your bullpen, combining that together. I think a corner outfield bat makes a lot of sense. I tweeted this out today, and of course, always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. I think a bat like Michael Brantley makes a decent amount of sense. I mean, he's only played in like 79 games over the last two years, but he's always been a royal killer. I think he's a pure hitter. He's a mature hitter. And I think he'd help this lineup up, uh, lineup out a lot. Uh, he was playing in the later stages of that Ranger series. In fact, the entire postseason, but coming up in big time moments, not always coming through, but the Astros still valued Michael Brantley after missing the entirety of that season coming off shoulder surgery. So Michael Brantley, I think it's kind of prime for a bounce back year. His market value is around $9 million. So you could throw a one-year deal at Michael Brantley for one year, $9 million, add him to the lineup. You could start him in left field, and you're not really mixing and matching your lineup that much. You move MJ Melendez to right field. You still can add Nelson Velasquez as a full-time DH. Vinny Pasquantino plays first base. Salvi can still catch. There's nobody that loses the spot there. Maybe Drew Waters. You know, maybe Kyle Isbell, if you had another outfield arm or outfield bat. But to me, that that kind of signals to me it's a successful offseason. It doesn't mean the results are going to show because, right, it's all just trying to feel confident about going into the year. But I got to see transactional. I don't need to see a bunch of trades. I think I'd be intrigued if you can flip Edward Olivares for somebody, Kyle Isbell for somebody, maybe Salvador Perez for somebody, Brady Singer. This, to me, is that offseason you can really shake up the roster. And I think with the names I just you know set out over the air or over this podcast, that, to me, would kind of signal that it's been a successful offseason and give Matt Quattrero a much more suited bunch to compete in 2024. So that's kind of where I'm at uh, with this offseason. You know, that would be a success to me. I don't want to see one or two moves. I mean, last year, the most expensive move they made was Jordan Lyles. And Jordan Lyles was not anything what they hoped for. You could say he logged innings. I don't want to get back and forth in this tennis match of, of trying to say whether it was a valuable signing or not. We all know 
that the numbers were not what the Royals had hoped for. Yes, he logged innings, but not successful ones at that. And they tried to piece together their lineup with Fran Mill Reyes, with Matt Duffy, really put a lot of faith in young guys that are more so 4A players than anything. And that was fine for an evaluation year. But you got to know that the fan base is getting a little bit impatient. I mean, not asking you to go and double or triple or quadruple your payroll, but you got to be transactional because there are guys you can absolutely afford and add five, six, seven names to this team, whether that be pitching or lineup help, middle of the lineup help for this Royals team going into this upcoming 2024 campaign. All right, the last thing we're going to dive into is Matt Quatrero. In his first year as manager, he went 56 and 106. Lots of fans didn't like what he did. Some fans were more patient. Do I believe that he has shown he's the guy in Kansas City? I'll give you my answer next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked on Royals on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And you can always find us on those podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. And you can catch us on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. And hopefully here in the coming days, we are going to expand our social media outreach to Instagram and TikTok as well. So we can really, you know, get our net out there for people that maybe don't have Twitter and want to get some Royals content for the offseason. The last thing that was asked of me on Twitter, because I did this back on Sunday or Monday, I believe, about what we want to talk about this week. Because I'm going to be doing that this offseason of just getting the listeners input the followers and what they want to talk about and and one follower out there I had to ask no has q shown that he's the guy has this been you know the right move looking back uh, is there any more time for patience is there a need to be more cutthroat i know people i follow people on twitter that didn't want macquatrero to get a second season that believe he is way in over his head Here's where I stand on it right now. The short answer is no. He has not shown that he's the guy because I can't go all in for a guy that just lost 106 games. Okay, I need to see improvement. You know, if if Mike Matheny in his first full season, you know, won 70 plus games, I mean, that's almost 20 more wins than Matt Quattrero had in his first full season. Now, Mike Matheny had more success and had more experience as a manager than Matt Quattrero did. So I wasn't expecting a big-time turnaround in year one for a guy who's never managed a baseball club at the professional level. No, that, to me, is where my expectations were. But I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I can't say confidently, I know he's the guy, because I don't. Right? If you lose 106 games, you tie the franchise record, You know what do I have to go off of that makes me think you're the guy. And I do think I had a lot of criticisms and a, and a lot of head-scratching you know, days where I, I watched the Royals game and said, I don't get what Matt Quattrero is doing here. I don't get the bullpen management. I don't get this lineup construction. There were days that I had questions. But again, I think that every fan base has its gripe, has its frustrations, and takes out its anger on the manager. Remember, I mean... We are, I guess now, five years removed, six years removed from the last time Ned Yost managed the Royals. There were plenty of times that Royals fans wanted Ned Yost fired, and he won them a World Series championship. It's just the way it goes in baseball. But I do think 
this is kind of my year or Matt Quattrero's year to show that he can be the guy. If the Royals really meet that threshold of 80 to 85 wins, then I think he's shown to me he's the guy. Okay, because then at that point, I'd imagine the front office is thinking we're all in. If you can win 80 to 85 by not, you know, astronomically increasing your payroll, you know that your team is pretty close to contention. The division's really weak. It always seems to be a, a two-year window for everybody in the Central. The Twins have their moment. The, the Guardians have their moment. The White Sox had their moment. The Tigers may be getting their moment this year. And then you hope the Royals can have their moment down the road. But to me, that's what's going to need to be evaluated this year. You, you evaluated the team last year. Now I think this year is more so the evaluation of Matt Quattrero. Because he does have to show he's the guy if he wants to stick around. I mean, we see in baseball all the time now, you know, teams being way more cutthroat with their managers. You know, if you don't win them a certain amount of games by year three, they're going to move on from you. Now it also comes down to expectation in those cities. I think St. Louis has much higher expectation than Kansas City does. That's why we saw Mike Matheny get canned. You know, Mike Schilt get canned. And he may be the front runner for the Padres job now. You know, Gabe Kapler got canned in San Francisco, and that was after his front office did nothing to help him. And that also is going to be another factor of how I evaluate Matt Quattrero this upcoming year. How much help does the front office give him? If the front office doesn't give him any help, why am I going to put the weight of expectation on his shoulders? You know, last year's group, I don't even care if you give the Royals, you know, Brandon Hyde or Tory Lovello or or, or Boshi. It doesn't matter. That, that team was not going to go to the postseason. There just was not enough talent there. And you can harp and criticize the bullpen management and, and putting certain guys in certain spots and pinch hitting guys here and there. There just wasn't much to work with. That, that's the reality here. And that's why I think it, it's not a wash. I think we got to learn a little bit about Mac Quattrero, the the person more so than the manager. I really did like his end of the season press conference because he addressed, you know, kind of being mellow and not really showing too much emotion. And I always thought it was kind of silly and ironic that some fans were so harsh on Mac Quattrero for not showing emotion, for not getting ejected when he felt like his team was being wrong. Yet we all thought it was, out of pocket or dumb when Mike Matheny did it. Like when Mike Matheny showed all the emotion, it was, man, Mike Matheny's just, he doesn't know how to handle a team like this. And he's just getting ejected left and right. And I don't think anybody could ever deny the passion that Mike Matheny had for the Royals. I think that he really wanted to work here, but it just wasn't the right mentality for a team that was rebuilding. I think Mac Quattrero was the right mentality for a team like this. He knew it was going to be ugly. You know, I wasn't in, of course, that you know, hiring process. I wasn't in that that office room or that conference room when John Sherman and JJ Piccolo hired Mac Quattrero. But I can tell you that a hunch I have is they informed him, "Hey, we're really happy. This is your first year to manage a big league ball club, but it's going to be really ugly. And if you can take the brunt, if you can take all the heat, the fan base is going to give you." We believe in you that you can be the guy to turn things around. I mean, I always look back to when the Royals hired him. It was the right move. 
You go after an organization that I think the Royals have tried to model themselves after at least the last couple years, maybe just the last year, because they're not anything close to Tampa Bay. But that feels like the best possible way you can get back to being a contender, not spending a lot of money, having a really good scouting department, taking the analytical approach, getting into modern day baseball and not living into the Stone Age. That, to me, felt like the right move at the time. When you have that right move and you go about it in a certain way where you're you're trying to build this team, build a winner, and not misjudge your window, the Rays felt like the right pick, and they went with Matt Cotrero, and I, I still stand by that pick. I'm not willing to pull the plug. To, to chop the head off already for one year, because then it shows to me John Sherman never had a plan in place. J.J. Bacolo never had a plan in place. You abandon a guy after one year, I don't think anybody else would want to come here. It's like I get one year to turn this team around without much money to work with. I don't want to come here. But year two is going to tell me a lot more. Year two is going to be uh, that one type of game-changing you know, franchise-changing, pivotal moment in this rebuild. If the Royals don't improve, he's not the guy. I mean, if you only win four more games, five more games, I don't care if you didn't even spend a lot of money. It, it can't be as bad as last year, and that's where I'm at with Matt Quattrero. No, he has not shown he's the guy just yet, but he's got a chance to show he's the guy coming up in 2024. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, and be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Tomorrow, we're going to look at a couple more free agent options for the Royals and if it were to make sense and why I'm very confident that the Royals aren't taking any at-bats from a guy from guys that I have a list of. And it's only four guys on this team, but I'm going to tell you why I don't think the Royals are signing anybody to give them relief or to give them depth at that position. But that'll be coming up tomorrow on another edition of Locked on Royals.